He is the play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz on the Sprint Special Guest Line, David Locke. David, long time no talk to you. How are you? Where are you guys? Minky Couture up here in Layton. Come down, and uh, I tell you what, you buy a blanket for the family, and you'll be a hero on Christmas. I had it all planned out since you've ignored me for months on end and showed signs of ruining our relationship and no longer loving me and all sorts of things and my insecurities kicked in and all these to show up in person in studio and see you and then I realized while I was driving into the arena to see you that you weren't actually at the arena. So I was going to surprise you today by coming and bringing my jolly personality to the show in person. <laughs> uh, David, just a, a quick reminder. Scotty and I right now are averaging four and a half remotes a week. It's uh, <laughs> it's a rare time that you'll find us in studio. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, David. Wow, so we're, like your efficiency, le- your efficiency level on that is about um, of potential remote appearances uh, is it kicking in at about a 95 points per possession rate. There, that's that's, that's would, impressive. I would say so. I would say uh, our offensive rating is near what Orlando put up the other day against uh, New Orleans. Ooh. Orlando is funky. If you guys look at this, they are – I don't have it in front of me, but so, like, for the season, generally they're one of the top ten defensive teams, and they're, like, 22nd offensively. And then for the last two weeks, they're the exact opposite, which is totally strange because in those two weeks – their best offensive player, Nikola Vukovic, who is generally thought of as an offensive, not a defensive player, hasn't been playing. So <clears throat> why they became better defensively <laughs> and not good offensively when their player that most people's storyline on is that he's an offensive player, not a defensive player, was out would be yet another grand mystery to me of the NBA. Let's talk a little bit about that because now he is back and it does open up so many different things. And and we really went at this earlier today, David, that this would be a fantastic win and a notch in a belt for the Jazz based off of Vucevic Vucevic being back and this team being more loaded and ready to go here in Bay Marina tonight. Yeah, I mean, this Orlando team is a playoff team. Vuce was an all-star last year. Um, you know, they're not great at the point guard position, and Mike Conley's listed as probable, and so that's exciting. Um, Markel Fultz has done a nice job. He's, he's made, you know, it's a kind of a feel-good story at this point, getting him back in, into the business and getting him rolling after playing, you know, I think under 20 games in both his first two years. T.J. Augustine's a solid, controlled veteran coming off the bench, but that's not their strength on that roster. Evan Fournier's been been terrific averaging 20 points a game. He had a three out of four game stretch where he scored 30 um, right at the turn of the month, I think it was. So he's been great. Jonathan Isaac. Oh my, Jonathan Isaac's going to be a big time player in this league. Uh, So they've got a lot of pieces. Aaron Gordon probably hasn't quite hit his stride. That whole draft class is an interesting story in of itself of Aaron Gordon. And uh, that's a Dante Exum draft. And like, you know, Andrew Wiggins was the Jabari Parker. I mean, we had people, uh, tanking for all of that and uh, doing all those things. And now that draft class is done what that draft class is done. So uh, it should be a really fun, great one tonight. I'm pretty excited for it. Uh, hopefully people are coming out. Yeah, no doubt about it. It should be a fun one at uh, Vivint Smart Home Arena tonight. Uh, you know, when you look overall, this is a stretch of games 
you know, there's going to be moments in the course of an 82-game schedule where you have an opportunity to make a run. How important is it for this Jazz team to make a run over this uh, stretch of games? Feels like it does right now, doesn't it? Feels like now, yeah. like, like there have been a lot of ups and downs and bringing nine players together and figuring out how to use them, and now Conley's healthy, and, you know, while Dante, you know, still needs to be respected for the amount of time he needs to, you know, you just don't come off not playing for that long and, and get going. So we're relative. I don't want to say we're healthy because I think that discredits what Dante's going through. You know, we're physically healthy. He's just got to get himself back. So this is, yeah, this is a great stretch. I think we play a lot of games that are winnable and then some other games that are going to be really tough. But if you're, if you click in, we could probably go get it with the talent level that's been acquired by the front office over the years. So, you know, this is, this is a team that's loaded with talent. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can, if they can, you know, turn over a new page and get it, get it rolling a little bit. Had a great, a great time at the arena on Friday watching that Golden State Jazz game. And I was talking to Scotty about this. Just when you watch Joe Ingles and his usage in that offense and the way he gets the gears turning and how good he is passing off the run or the move and just all the things that Joe does to um, to really jumpstart that offense. I just I love his usage and I love how he fits with everybody on the court. With Mike Conley coming back, David, how much does that affect what you do with Joe in the starting lineup or off the bench? Or and and how much do they look at what he did while Mike Conley was gone and say, well, we need more Joe Ingles. Well, it's really one of those great questions, right, of of you want to be able to answer the singular entity, and yet the singular entity has a ripple effect that impacts so many multiple things along the way. I'm not even sure I know how to answer the question. I mean, it's clear that in the five games that Mike Conley was out and that Joe Ingles started and had the ball in his hands, that he seemed more Joe Ingles asked than he had been earlier in the season. And Joe said it well in an interview the other day. Like, I go into every game trying to get everyone else going. That's the essence of the great teammate that, that Joe is, the, the guy we know. And if he hasn't mentioned it, he has a Thursday morning radio show that you can listen to him on with DJ and PK. Um, I, so I thought I'd mention it for him. Well uh, it's, the best ra- it's the best radio show ever, it, 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 at least what Joe's told me. So... Um, but to that to that point, like okay, so I don't, you know, hands. I don't really know the answer. Do you put him in the game and then give him the ball, and then well, what's Mike doing, and what's Donovan doing, and can you allow Mike to have his influence on the game while um, Joe has the ball in his hands? And Mike last year was in the 99th percentile of all catch and shoot guys in the league, and so maybe that's great. Maybe Joe runs the pick and roll and flares it out to Mike, and and. That gets Mike going a little bit with some open looks. I mean, when I'm watching in practice, I don't think Mike misses a shot. So, um, and we all know what Boyan can do shooting. He's the sixth best catch and shoot guy in the NBA right now. So I think it's you know you know. But then on the other end, gosh, the settling force of Joe with the second unit seems great. Ever now, there's a narrative that Joe needs to play with better players. Like I, I don't actually know the answer on any of this. It's just a, and, and none of it's. Um, clear in how you can make a decision on it because I think there's, as I'm saying, there's a little ripple effect to every way you make the decision. So we'll see. Um, you know, there's not a better there's not a better guy to be trying to figure it out than Quinn. Um, and he has a great understanding of how one thing impacts the other. You know, I was uh, I was listening to the podcast with Adrian Wojnarowski the other day and 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 he mentioned, you know, there was a there was a question of should at this point should the phone calls be coming from the Jazz 
in trying to remake their roster a little bit or maybe add a piece or two here and there. And Adrian brought up a really good point where he said, look, I'm going to trust, give the benefit of the doubt to this front office that it's going to click, even though it doesn't look right right now that this front office has earned the right to let this thing play out. Is there any kind of a, and and maybe this is an unfair question to ask, but is there any kind of, I don't, panic's not even the right word, but concern from the front office and any element of maybe we need to address a couple things? But, I mean, so, I mean, that would just be really contrary to how everything this front office does. I mean, this is a cool, calm, and collected front office that, does things by the process. Dennis is is known well for having a place of ideas amongst his group. Um, so I think that when you're, you know, when you talk about this front office, you, you know, that's, you know, Dennis came out of the, the a smaller group when he was in Houston, and there weren't as many voices as there are now in these front offices. So panic is not something that this front office does. I think, you know, astute uh, evaluation of a situation last year is when they made the Kyle there. Kyle Corver trade, they, you know, they didn't do any of the deadline. Well, that's because they had, they had fixed their problem well before the deadline last year um, with the Kyle Corver for Alec Burks trade, which was hard to do because of how everybody felt about Alec, but was the right thing for the organization. So they, I think Woj is right. I think Zach's low is right in the sense that there's the, um, there's an incredible, um, you know, track record and smarts. And then I also think you've got to understand how this team was put together and and it's a it's a different team than what we're used to having in years past because in the years past we had this incredible depth right we won with kind of three through 12 depth well you know now we've got a 30 million dollar center and a 30 million dollar point guard and a rising star and a shooting guard and we've got a pretty expensive joe ingles and a pretty expensive not joe's actually not outrageously expensive and a pretty expensive boyan bogdanovich and so the impact of that is that then you either have to do you know, one of two things. You either have to have really young kids playing in important roles or you go find, you know, value veterans who are available. And that's what the Jazz did with Jeff Green and Emmanuel Moody on, on minimum contracts and what they did with Ed Davis at that. I don't, I don't know if it was the biannual or what, what the official term of which one they did is. I apologize. I should know that. Um and so now they've got to find a way to make it work. You're dealing with talented players that have not meshed yet as a group, um, but they're talented players, and so they're going to figure that out. David, just kind of stepping away from the Jazz and just looking at the NBA as a whole, uh, I know that there's a ton of conversation and a lot of buzz out there moving around some of the TNT numbers and the overall ratings of the NBA. Does any of that worry you or concern you? Um, so, I mean, uh, when you ask me if it concerns me or worries me, I'm not sure what you're asking me. Sorry, Ham. Uh, I, like I guess. Me personally is, or as an no, is, fan? No, is there a trend, is there a trend that, that, that's concerning? Is there a reason people aren't tuning in to watching the NBA? I guess that's more what I'm asking. Okay, so Wall Street Journal did an interesting article on this, and I think you have a confluence of events going on. LeBron moving west was a huge problem for the ratings. Okay, so that's um, that's the first one that you just kind of have to understand that, that that's not having that East Coast game is is problematic for the ratings. The, the Warriors dissolve was a problem. 
as much as we all hated Cleveland versus Golden State every single day, um, you know what? The fans, the average fan loves it, right? Like, I'm not the one who's going to impact TV ratings. I'm watching everything every minute. The casual fan is the one impacting TV ratings, and there are less things right now in the league that grab the casual fan. And then third part is that the casual fan has a bunch of other mechanisms by which to watch the league. So from a league standpoint, I think it's concerning. Um, I don't know. I haven't heard the latest on whether that whole China thing is going to impact the salary cap like people talked about. Um, and then I don't know whether front offices will look at that, uh, these ratings and think to themselves, well, the TV contract will be differently eventually. And so that they would look, I don't know. I don't know the impact that it has on the league in that sense. Mm-hmm. Where are you at on Carmelo in Portland and what he's done since joining that team? Uh, I mean, I'm no, I mean, I love to play with numbers. I don't really know what I'm doing. Um, my numbers say he's not been as good as what everybody likes to say he is. Yeah, that was my thought. They're not winning. My, he's in my. He's in my. They won last night against Phoenix, I think, but Phoenix was lacking Devin Booker, so they probably should. Um, the I think last, you know, I have a whatever David Locke makeshift, pretty amateurish offensive rating system that I use. It's probably not worth a whole lot, um, but it. It's what I use to evaluate offensive players, and he came in the bottom ten. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, you know, is you know, and I know that it's a it's a fun story, but it just seems like the results. And I haven't I haven't taken a look at numbers either, but it just doesn't seem like uh, the wins are coming, and it's uh, been an overall you know success story that a lot of people have made it out to be um, for whatever reason. But it so, was the, but it was the right move. Um, because you just really can't make moves before December 15th. And yeah. so at the time, they had lost Rodney Hood to the Achilles, I think. Had they already lost Rodney or was that after? That might have been. They lost Zach Collins. Yeah. And they were starting They were starting Nazar Little, who's an interesting athlete out of North Carolina, but he's not really ready to play right now. And so they didn't have – like, they, there wasn't – they can't go to China to go get players because they're still under contract can't really go to Europe to go get players. You can't go get make a trade because players that have it, that were moved in the offseason, which felt like about two-thirds of all players last year, um, you know, could, can't get moved till after December 15th. So in the sense of what, they, what Neil O'Shea did at that point, I think it makes sense. Mm. Well, David, appreciate your time as always, man. Have a great call tonight. Thanks, David. My, my pleasure, guys. I hope you're great. Always. Always great. Love it. It's a good one. It's our last time out before Christmas. Hope people can come out and join us. Buy a ticket. Come out. Cheer them on. It'll be fun to see the guys. Go to utahjazz.com. Get those tickets right now. That's utahjazz.com. Play-by-play voice of the, day of the jazz, David Locke.